1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 12. Verse 16 says, we have the mind of Christ. You notice it doesn't say we're going to have someday in the future. He says maybe, he says definitely, absolutely, positively, we have the mind of Christ. To me, that's pretty mind-boggling to think that we can know how God thinks. So I want to look at this scripture. We'll start here. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. Heavenly Father, let your word come alive to us this morning, God. For your word is living and active and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing and dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And so we believe you this morning, God, to help us to gain understanding and to gain knowledge and insight to your word in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Praise God. The uh, actual title of the sermon was, What Do You Think? Or What Do You Think About? What? Think about that for just a second. What goes through your brain all day long? I don't know about you, but there's times when uh, uh, a thought will come in my mind uh, to tempt me to think about things I shouldn't think about, and all of a sudden, like a machine gun, my thoughts get racing, and next thing you know, I'm thinking, what in the world am I thinking about that for? And it happened to anybody? Praise God. <laughs> your brain is more than just nerves and chemicals. Your mind is a powerful thing. So, we want to look here. Now, everybody say now. Not tomorrow, not yesterday, but now we have received. I'm going to look first, not the spirit of the world. We're going to look at that first. Then we're going to look at the spirit who is from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Aren't you glad for that? Freely given to us. It's free. The only thing you have to do is just Surrender your life to Jesus. And then the rest is all free. Praise God. So we have not received. First of all, let's look at this first phrase. We have received already. When we received Jesus as our Savior, we received the kingdom of heaven. Glory to God. I'm one of my favorite scriptures is Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 7. And I used to misquote it, but now I memorized it. It says, of the increase of His government, or His kingdom, and peace. I used to forget that part. Of the increase of His government and peace, there shall be no end. In other words, obviously, the kingdom of heaven, no matter what it looks like, is continually growing, expanding, and enlarging. I wish you all could have come to that uh, conference yesterday and, and heard the testimonies of what God's doing around the world. We have received, in John chapter 1, verse 12, it says these words, As many as received Him, He gave the right or authority to become children of God to those who believe in His name. Notice that those who don't believe in His name, it implies, are not children of God. Just because people are human beings does not make them children of God. There are children of disobedience. There are those who re willfully reject God. 
Those are those who willfully ignore God. And then those are people who are just indifferent. They don't care one way or another. But indifference is a choice. Praise God. As many as received him. This is the Greek word, lambano, which means to take or to act or to get a hold of, to accept, and I like this one, to be amazed. That's where that song Amazing Grace comes from. That author of the song wrote, Amazing Grace. In many of the Gospels, there's uh, episodes where Jesus did something and everyone was amazed. Amazing. To be amazed. When you receive, that word received, amazed. The kingdom of God is amazing. No matter what things look like in life, it's amazing that God would have mercy on us, that God would touch our lives, that God would come out of heaven in Jesus and come to earth to become a human being like us, tempted on all ways, yet without sin. For it says in the Scriptures in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, I believe it is, or 21, He made Him who knew no sin to become sin for us in order to make us the righteousness of God in Him. We're holy. When we receive Jesus, we receive His righteousness. We receive His holiness. God is a holy God. But you and I, when we receive Jesus, we become holy. Hallelujah. John chapter 1, verse 16, it says, Of His fullness, we have all received and grace for grace. This grace is available to anyone and everyone. This uh, four words in the Strong's Concordance for uh, the world. We have received, we've been amazed by Jesus, but we have not received the spirit of the world. And this word here is very interesting to me because there's four different words in the Greek New Testament. Only one of them means actual soil. There's another one. Anybody see that um, yogurt in the stores? Oikos, oikos. That's the Greek word for house. I don't know how they get house and yogurt together, but <laughs> that's what it is. And uh, that word, oikom, I don't know how to pronounce it. Oikomeni means the land, the globe. Specifically, it meant the Roman Empire at that time. And that's only used nine times. And then there's another word we get the word eon from, and it pertains to time periods. But the one that's used the most is cosmos, from another Greek word, komeo, which means to take care of. The cosmos means an orderly arrangement, literally means a decoration. And it means the world as we know it, its inhabitants, but mainly, since it's orderly, it's the system of the world. Let's go to our next. Ephesians chapter 2 says, You once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit of now works in the Sons of disobedience. The course of this world is where the sons of disobedience are working. It's where the spirits 
the principalities that uh, talks about in Ephesians that we war against. It's the worldly system. I don't know how I did it, but I got a free subscription to Global Finance Magazine. I don't know how they got my address. I don't know how it got to my house. But I was reading it the other day, or actually reading it this morning. There's an article in there about the new buzzword, sustainability. And uh, the problem with that is that now CEOs and, and chief financial officers of corporations, they have to word their uh, information about their company. They have to look at, you know, what are we doing to uh, be socially responsible? What are we doing to combat global warming, this, that, and the other thing? And so I was reading that, and uh, the problem is that it's very confusing because there's different words that mean the same thing and the same word that means different things, and that's the problem with the English language. You get so many different meanings. But just in the garment industry alone, there's over 600 standards for sustainability that the executives of the companies have to try and figure out, are we following these? How many are you following? What's the percentage? And the, the reason that that's important to people is because investors want to put their money where it's going to make a difference. However, this cosmos is a word that depicts something that is fashioned or ordered. It denotes systems and institutions in society such as fashion, education, and entertainment. Where's the young people? Why aren't they out here? They need to hear this. This is recorded so you can have your kids listen to it. Let the world try and set the standard for education. Let the world try and set the standard for fashion and entertainment. And what do you have? You have celebrities being politicians. And people who are have no knowledge of... of, of things that they have no business talking about, they're being painted as experts. But this worldly system that tries to uh, um, shape the mindset of everyone has no standard like God's Word by which to live. They set their own standards. And so you see society is changing. Things that are acceptable in society are not acceptable to God. God does not change. God has standards, and He doesn't want His standards changed. From Rick Renner's uh, uh, nice big sparkling gems for every day of the week of the of the year, people who do not adhere to God's standards are guided by the constantly changing ethics and whims of the time. Sadly, education, entertainment, and fashion are the forces that guide the lost world. When I was a teenager, it was cool for guys to have long hair. Nowadays, it's cool for guys to wear a man bun. It's like, does anybody know where the man bun came from? The samurai used to wear them with a top knot. And if that got cut off, it was a shame. I saw a photograph one time of uh, some uh, Japanese uh, bandits, I guess, or Chinese bandits, and they had long hair. And uh, the British were there, and uh, this criminal was going to be beheaded. 
So they had him kneeling down, and somebody was holding his hair to hold him in place. Anyway, that has nothing to do with my sermon. Just a tidbit of information. Praise God. The world, your world, is the place where you live, function, and have influence. You and I have influence wherever we go with our words, with our actions, with our investments, with what we do with ourselves. Where we spend our time and money, we have influence. Would to God that we use our influence for the kingdom of heaven. So let me read an expanded uh, version of Ephesians chapter 2. Don't you remember what you used to be like before Jesus in your B.C. days? This is how you lived before you got saved. You habitually walked around trapped and unable to get off the track you were stuck on. Totally unaware. Most people that aren't saved, they're totally unaware that they need to get saved. You were totally unaware before you got saved that you were being dominated and manipulated by the constantly fluctuating thinking of the day, by the whims of the times, and by whatever society was given approval to at that moment. But when you got saved, God changed your way of thinking. And God changed what you use to measure your life by and what standards you live by. Well, let's go on. So we have not received the spirit of the world that changes with the times and has no set standard and has no uh, way of uh, living for God. Because before we got saved, we were dead in trespasses and sins. But thank God, can you say amen, Jesus made us alive again from the dead. There's an old song I heard from way back in the 70s. Way back in the 70s. (laughs) I used to sing songs about living. I thought I was alive, but I was dead and didn't know it. But Jesus made me alive again. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Romans chapter 8, verse 15. You did not receive, this is what we did not receive, the spirit of bondage again to fear. But what we did receive is the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. When I first started speaking in tongues, that was about it, Abba. Praise God. How many know speaking in tongues is a good thing? You run out of words to say and you're praying and you know you need to pray some more and you can feel it inside of you. God, I want to touch you. I need to pray more and more and more. My wife tells me uh, we have a prayer room at our house. When she's praying in tongues, she prays in her language, her English, her understanding. And then she gets to the and she prays in tongues and God puts things in her mind and her heart and people to pray for that she didn't think of. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what God will do for you. Praise God. In the New Revised Standard Version, it says, when we cry, Abba, Father, they have a comma there, and they have a period. Let's see. Right there, they put a period. But then they change. When we cry out, Abba, Father, comma, it says these words in that translation, It is the very Spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit, bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Say that with me. We are 
children of God. Most of us are grown-up children. Some of us are still little children in God. But we are children of God. Praise God. We've been adopted. This word Abba is an Aramaic word. How many know the New Testament was written in Greek? But they inserted an Aramaic word in here, Abba. But they also added a Greek word, which means father. So it's not just Abba, it's Abba Father. But listen to this. In the traditional teaching of the Jews, it is stated that slaves were forbidden to address the head of the family by the title Abba. Only the kids could. We had a uh, family from Somalia uh, renting our house at one time. And uh, when they called their dad, it was Abu, calling him father. And it's like a personal name. Jews added the word, Greek-speaking Jews added the word father to the Abba because Abba was almost like uh, a name. According to Vine's Dictionary of Greek New Testament words, Abba, it's easy to say, excuse me, is the word formed by infant lips. And this Mr. Vine's uh, kind of old, He's passed away now, but he spoke and wrote in like old English. It betokens unreasoning trust. How many know trusting God is not reasonable? There's times in your life that you go through things, you have no idea why God's letting it happen. It's unreasonable to trust God, but it's a good thing to trust God. Can you say amen? Unreasoning trust. The word Father expresses an intelligent apprehension or understanding of the relationship. God is the best dad in the universe. Whether you think so or not, he is. Sometimes it doesn't look like it. We don't know what God's doing all the time. God's smarter than us. Can you say amen? But it's a, a, an apprehending of an understanding of the relationship. And the two words together express the love and intelligent confidence of the child. Reason we lift our hands in worship is it's a sign of surrender. It's like when your little kids are little and they want you to pick me up, Dad. Come up to you with their hands up. God, pick me up. I used to have this picture in my mind of uh, God being a dad <clears throat> holding the little baby. The little baby's sound asleep, safe and secure on Dad's shoulder. And the problem is that <clears throat> God wants us to grow up and become mature so that. Next thing you know, he's standing next to us with his arm around our shoulders. That's my boy. That's my girl. That's my son, my daughter. The prince, they're royalty. I always joke around everywhere I go. Try it anyway. When the king or queen of England comes into the room and there's two doors, you have to open both of the doors. So we go into a restaurant, there's double doors. I open both doors. I let the people in. Two doors for royalty. They look at me like I'm nuts, but praise God, I don't care. I'm having fun. Two doors for royalty. You and I are royalty. Hallelujah. Praise God. We have a Father who is the King of Kings. Let's continue here. Second Timothy chapter 1. God has 
not given more things that God has not given us a spirit of fear. You remember in the other scripture that uh, fear is like slavery. We have not received a spirit of bondage or slavery again to fear. We don't have to fear. When you trust God for your finances, for your health, for your family, for your unsaved loved ones, you're putting your everything in good hands. Better than all state insurance. You're in good hands with God. Praise God. Can you say amen? God has not given us a spirit of fear. So what has He given us? A spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I want to focus on this sound mind because I'm talking about the mind this morning. Matthew Henry translates that sound mind quietness of mind. Anybody have your thoughts start racing? Oh my goodness, what are we going to do? It's panic attacks that people have. I don't understand that. You close your eyes right now. Everybody close your eyes right now. And picture your room, your kitchen in your house. Picture your kitchen in your house. The dishes, the refrigerator, the cabinets, the countertop, the sink, the dishwasher, the stove. If you can think of that, you have control of your thoughts. You can open your eyes now. Please, God, presto, change them. You can think. You can use your willpower to think. So you can quiet your mind. The uh, word for sound mind is a compound word in the Greek. comes from two words, sozo, which means to be saved or delivered, suggesting something that is rescued, revived, salvaged. Anybody ever been accused of being brainwashed? Praise God. Christianity would just wash your brain. I needed my brain washed. Can you say amen when I got saved? <laughs> Even still today, there's, I still need my brain washed. There's sometimes that things get crazy there, but praise God. God, and not only does it mean rescued, revived, salvaged, protected, safe, and secure. Leaning on the everlasting arms, safe and secure from all alarm. Praise God. The other part of the word, sound mind, is sophroneo. The other part, sozo is the first part. The second part is phroneo. It means a person's intelligence or total framework of thinking, including rationale, logic, and emotions. Every part of the human mind, including all the processes that are engaged in making the mind function and come conclusions. According to Mr. Rick Renner's uh, uh, explanation, it is a mind that has been delivered, rescued, revived, salvaged, and protected and brought into a place of safety and security so that it is no longer affected by illogical, unfounded, and absurd thoughts. Pastor Wayne uh, uh, gave me a, a great explanation uh, Wednesday night at Bible study. Fear is false experiences appearing real. He was relating how you know, a lot of things that, a lot of terrible things that happened to him never really did because he just imagined that they would. So when you can control your thoughts, 
control your fears. How many know, you know, you, you want to step out and do something for God? And we have an enemy, and he'll try and get you to not do something for God. He'll get you to try and not trust God. That's his whole strategy, to make you think that you cannot trust God. But you can trust God. God is totally trustworthy. He just doesn't give you all the information at once because it would probably blow our minds. <laughs> we wouldn't be able to handle it. Blow our circuits. You don't have to fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. Let's go on to the next slide. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world system, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I have a book at home, has a catchy title, called The Will of God as a Way of Life. Wait, 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 what? The will of God as a way of life. How many know that God has a will for us? God has a plan for each and every individual. God has a plan for the whole body of Christ. God has a plan. It's up to us to discover that plan. And how do you do that? Reading the Word of God and praying and fellowshipping with other believers. Don't be conformed. When it says that you may prove, what this literally means is so that you can experience the plan of God for your life. Some commentators think that there's three different wills of God, good, acceptable, and perfect. I think there's just one will of God, and it's all three descriptions, good, acceptable, and perfect. So do some other commentators. But I'm not a commentator. I'm just telling you what they said. Don't be conformed to this world. Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown's commentary says, what this literally means for us is that you and I, when we get born again and saved and birthed into the kingdom of God, you now have new motives and new goals. Our main goal this church is to win, build, and send. Win souls to Christ, build them up in their faith, and then launch them out to win other souls to Christ. So they can build them up and launch them out. And multiply on and on and on and on till the end. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 4, verse 39. Jesus is asleep in the boat. They're in a storm. Anybody ever been in a storm of life? Things are coming crashing down on you and you have no idea what's going on or how to get out of it. And Jesus wakes up and with an exclamation point tells the storm, Peace, be still. Let me suggest to you, you can speak to your storms and tell the storm, peace, be still in Jesus' name. And guess what happened? There was a great calm. That just blows my mind. Jesus just gets up. You guys have no faith. Peace, be still, and the storm stops. Not only was it calm, but there was great calm. You want to calm your mind? Trust in God. Just a minute. I didn't write the scripture down. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. Speaking about God. God, you will keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because they trust in you. Verse 4 says, Trust in the Lord forever. For in the Lord is everlasting strength. 
That literally means the rock of ages. The rock of ages. You've Anybody heard that hymn, that song, Rock of Ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Everlasting strength. I lifted weights when I was in high school and almost dropped them on my neck one time, but I wanted to be able to, you know, bench press 400 pounds. I'm lucky if I can bench press 90 pounds. I wanted to be strong. So one Easter, we went visiting and uh, was watching the strongman competitions on TV. <laughs> went to work the next week, and I picked up uh, a big, long form, and it was heavy. My foreman said, don't hurt yourself. Well, I'm okay. Next thing you know, I had a hernia. I wasn't as strong as I thought I was. <laughs> God, but God is strong. The Lord, he is everlasting strength. He conquered death, hell and the grave. He took the stripes on his back, the Bible says, for our healing. We had a young lady uh, at the conference. Um, she's actually a musician, playing the harp. And she testified. She said, I don't have time to go into all the details, but I had a rare form of lymphoma. Very rare form. Doctors said, you're going to have to go through this, this, and this. She said, I called for the elders of the church, just like the Bible says. They prayed for me, laid hands on me, anointed me with oil, went for a PET scan, and not one tumor was left. They were all gone because Jesus is alive. And he paid the price for healing. Praise God. Glory to God. Peace, be still. And there was a great calm. Be of the same mind. That's one of my last scriptures there. The will of God. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How do we get transformed? How do you change your way of thinking? Thy word, Psalm 119 says, have I hid in my heart that I not, not sin against you. One of the uh, uh, speakers yesterday was telling us how in the 1950s they went uh, to Russia and they were able to gather a bunch of youth. And they said, we want you kids, 18 to 30-year-olds, we want you kids from memory. They didn't have any Bibles. want you from memory to get together in groups and write as much of the Gospels as you can remember. And guess what? They had it almost all memorized. Word for word almost, except for a few mistakes. They had Psalms memorized. They had hymns memorized. And then, 1980, the, the uh, Soviet Union fell apart and Bibles were able to go in freely. And guess how much they memorize now? The Bible says, I believe it's in Amos, that towards the end of time, there will be a famine of the Word of God. There's places in the world today, they are crying out for Bibles. Literally crying, please send us Bibles. We want the Word of God. You and I here in this uh, uh, country, uh, I don't know who said it, but they said, you people are swimming in Bibles. I don't know how many Bibles we have at my house. I think we got at least a dozen or more. And I like that because there's different translations I can read. Praise God. Philippians chapter 4. See if I have it in here. There's chapter 2. Nope. 
Philippians chapter 4. We'll get to that one in a minute. Chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report, any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, praiseworthy, meditate on these things in the New King James, the New American Standard. Let your mind dwell on these things. The Amplified Bible says, think on and weigh and take account of these things. Fix your mind on them. Think about these things. What you think about is how you're going to react to things that happen in your life. Thoughts become actions. Actions become habits. Habits become destiny. I want to encourage you, make it a habit to read your Bible. Make it a habit to memorize Scripture. Make it a habit to pray. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Romans chapter 12, verse 16. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Speaking of opinion, the book of Proverbs says, let another praise you and not your own lips. In other words, let somebody else express an opinion about you and praise you if there's anything praiseworthy instead of you promoting yourself. And, you know, that's how businesses work now. They have to promote themselves. But if you have something good and others see it, they should take note and word of mouth will set it apart and set it in action. High things. What are the high things he's talking about? Do not set your mind on high things. Personal ambition. Aspirations. I want to be in charge. I want to do this or that. Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, through Paul the Apostle says, associate with the humble. He says, be of the same mind toward one another. Think, you know, everyone else, everyone here in this room is humble. I will grant Everybody's humble. We're not, you know, the noble. We're not the ups folks. We're not the people in charge and in power. We're just normal folks. We're humble. Let's stay humble, praise God, and not be wise in our own opinion. Praise God. Meditate on these things. Let's go to the next slide here. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. He's quoting from the Old Testament here. Who has known the mind of the Lord that He may instruct him? Who can tell God what to do? Not me, not you. But what does He say? We have the mind of Christ. Say it with me. But, make sure your but is in the right place. We, we have the mind of Christ. You and I have the mind of Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23 says, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. We have the mind of Christ. What is the mind of Christ? Here in Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any mercy or affection, fulfill my joy by being like Minded, having the same love. The love of God has been shed forth abroad in our hearts. Is it easy to maintain? 
you and I have to struggle sometimes to maintain the love of God, to love people. This guy that was in prison in Iran, he said, uh, the end of the, I don't know exactly when it was, the guy that was torturing him, he says, Today, one day I just decided, God told me, make friends with him. No one was a, nobody knew anybody's name. This American citizen, he was number 58. He goes to the interrogation room, it's just him and the Iranian guard, the guy that was beating him. Today, things are different. Today, you're going to be my friend. I'm going to be your friend. The Iranian guard goes, no, you're not. Yes, I am. He says he put his hand out to shake the Iranian guard's hand. He says the Iranian guard looked around. It's only him and him in the room. And he reaches out. He shakes his hand. He says, I'm your friend. I don't care. I, just the love of Jesus. He said that when he got sentenced to life in prison for espionage, the judge says, do you have anything to say for yourself? And he said the scripture came to his mind. In that moment, God will give you scriptures. He says, yes, I do. And he says, I don't know where it came from. But it just uh, You need it again. Jesus Christ loves you, judge. He loves you. Jesus Christ loves you. Why were you here in Iran? To tell you that Jesus Christ loves you. He said that the president of Iran signed an order to get him released because uh, his mom was Swiss, I believe, and he was in there on a Swiss passport, and the Iranians and the Swiss are friends, and he signed an executive order to get him released. He says when he went into the room uh, to see the judge to get the release, he says over there in the Middle East, if they like you, they'll grab your hand, pull you close, and kiss you three times on the cheek. He says the Iranian judge did that to him when he got released because the love of God was shed forth abroad in his heart because he had the mind of God to love people. He says, you know, it, it came from God to love his enemies. Praise God. He's quoting in John chapter, no, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. We have the mind of Christ in verse 16. Earlier, he quotes from Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 4. Prince, Since the beginning of the world, men have not heard or perceived by the ear, nor has the eye seen any God besides you who acts for the one who waits for him. In verse 5, it says, we need to be saved. And so it's quoted in um, 1 Corinthians a little bit differently. It's paraphrased. I has not seen, ear heard, the things that God has prepared for them that love Him. But then he says, but God has revealed them to us. God has good things in store for you and I. Can you say amen? Praise God. So, here's the mind of Christ. Have the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each of us esteem others better than themselves. Goes on to say, let each of you look now not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Who? being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant or slave, 
and come into earth in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even to the death of the cross. These people that we were uh, listening to yesterday, uh, they have about 40,000 people that they are in contact with in foreign countries who put their lives on the line. They could be killed at any moment. I was reading about Somalia. Even a hint that you're not a Muslim in Somalia. There's no trial. There's just beheading. That's it. There's, in China, the, they just created some new laws. No one under 18 is allowed to go to the official churches. No one who's in the military is allowed to go to church. No one who works for the government is allowed to go to church. What are you going to do? These other countries, they put their lives on the line. They'll kill you. Well, I'm going to go to heaven if you kill me. No big deal for me. Do you have that confidence? Praise God. I hope you do. Never know. Praise God. Therefore, God has all highly exalted him, given the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. Every tongue, every knee shall bow. There's a day. Today is the day, the Bible says, of salvation. You can bow your knee freely today, or when Jesus comes back, you'll have no choice. 